You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, White Sox fans. Some of us are even on the road as we're doing this podcast. That is how much of a celebration this is. The White Sox win 7-2 to in the first game of a doubleheader against Cleveland. Head-to-head, took Cleveland out. <laughs> took enough time to do it, but took them out. Clinched the division for the first time since 2008. Uh, first uh, easy division since uh, 2000. Uh, it's been a long time coming. The White Sox are in the postseason. It was somewhat preordained, at least for pretty much the entirety of the second half. But it's good to just finally sort of have that crossed off the list. Hey, the White Sox are in the playoffs. Joining me for the first of our two post-game, whatever, postseason celebrations uh, are three of my very, very best friends on Southside Sox. Well, let's, go, let's start up there in the corner. That's Zach Hayes. You know what? He's doing a six-pack. Somehow he's like writing stats and he's on a podcast at the same time. It's awesome. That's the kind of skill that Zach Boom Boom Hayes brings to the Southside Sox. Of course, my very best friend of all, you all are my best friends. It's Diabilic, Diabolical, Dynamite, Diabilic, hopping on to talk. I think she just got off the phone with her dad with a celebration, uh, celebratory phone call. That's awesome. Welcome, Di. And somewhere, I don't know, I'm guessing in the greater Louisville area, but maybe not. Maybe he's driving up to Chicago. He wants to finally taste a churro. It's Trevor Lyons. If you hear an alarm, <laughs> if you hear a siren, it's because he got a little too excited and he was speeding. Live, on the highways, on the interstates, it's Trevor Lyons. You can't see him, but maybe you can hear him. Uh, guys, hey, listen. How about this? Uh, it's a division win. It's a playoffs. It's a long time coming. Initial thoughts. The White Sox are in the postseason. 
That's all. That's all I got. That's cogent analysis and also appropriate. It was either a sigh of relief or I just came. I don't really know what just happened. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know. I got my party hat. I, I almost wonder what it would feel like if they hadn't been like crawling to the finish line the past two weeks because it's just like catharsis more than anything else. Like, oh, yes, we've been building building up this moment in anticipation for quite some time now, and it's like, oh man, it's it's here. They did it. Oh, let's let's get going. And what's nice about this game is that uh, you know. Tim Anderson said, we're going to win this game. <laughs> so we said, we're going to take the lead. We're not going to look back. I guess I got a little bit nerve wracking late. Uh, I guess sort of a little bit. If you want to like uh, uh, Zach in particular, if you want to get your uh, Greg Kimbrell uh, nervousness and angst uh, 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 aflame, but uh, pretty much led from the start. So there was going to be no funny business here. The White Sox, we're going to, uh, we're going to take the division today. Uh, Trevor Lyons, uh, how'd you experience it? hey guys can you hear me yes we can trevor i just had to pop in i'm i uh watched a little bit of the highlights mostly was listening to it i'm down here in bardstown kentucky the bourbon capital of the world um might have to pick up a celebratory uh, bottle of bourbon or something for for the big win um but yeah very exciting uh obviously it was a foregone conclusion at this point but um good to get that weight off the shoulders and uh hopefully start the, hopefully it's the start of a, a nice little run here heading into the playoffs this is a weird uh as zach alluded a very strange uh clinch of the postseason somewhat preordained from uh, into the first half let's face it it looked like the white Sox are going to run away with this uh they made it a bit torturous and uh, of course nobody ever got to the point where they thought well geez this isn't going to happen even though mathematically until just moments ago it was possible uh, so this is a weird kind of clinch feeling. Um, and again, in spite of my clear party hat, it's just a weird, uh, it's, it's going to go down. It's a strange memory because they did sort of like stumble, roll, fall into the playoffs. Uh, before we take our break and get into a little bit more of uh, postseason nuts and bolts, uh, is there a postseason, given that there aren't that many, they can probably be counted for most of you, maybe on a couple fingers, if not just one hand, uh, a favorite uh, clinch memory that stands out uh uh you know in your past as a fan obviously i will speak for 2008 because that was the most magical thing that's ever happened uh you know in 2005 i felt kind of like i feel now i was nervous because we lost momentum and we didn't clinch until september 28th Mm -hmm. and it was you know it was like oh god we went so long being so good and then at the end all that doubt crept in and I feel exactly like that right now in 2008 I kind of knew you know you kind of know but that man that clinch was the best one yeah 2008 was like house money it's like holy cow you're winning three games against three different teams in a row got the crazy sweaty Freddy game where it's like he was killing us and then he's like oops I'm hurt Uh, I gotta come out of the game which sort of helped uh and then come on blackout forget about it. You, you, are, you aren't going to be blackout, even though, you know, that, that was really, that was the peak. That was the peak. Uh, Zach, what, what stands out to you? 
Oh man, yeah, the the pickings are slim, honestly. So I I will think <laughs> I think I think to the 2005 American League Division Series actually as a moment when, you know, El Duque gets out of the famously gets out of the bases loaded jam and they win the game and Chris Berman is crying tears <laughs> tears of sadness in the broadcast booth and that was a moment where even I mean I was pretty young at that point, but that's like a that was the first playoff series win I had ever seen. It was the first playoff series I could really remember in my lifetime. I was like pretty small for 2000. And that was like a, oh my God, this is what it feels like. This might, this is going to happen. That's in my, my little nine-year-old brain still, still sticks out very, very sharply. <laughs> hey, Trevor, the White Sox haven't been in the playoffs since you've been old enough to drink bourbon. So uh, what's your favorite um, uh, clinching uh, memory in your young life? <laughs> yeah, it's got to be the blackout game easily. Um that was an electric atmosphere. Hopefully they can have something similar to that this year. But um, I think the real difference between 2005 where they were struggling down the stretch and now when they were struggling down the stretch is that in 2005, they had someone to push them a little bit and it wasn't necessarily a foregone conclusion. Those games towards the end really did start to mean something. And these games have been meaningless for months now. It's hard for me to get up for them. Uh, I've kind of been a little bit more tuned out than usual. So I'm sure that those guys are kind of feeling the same way. And that was, that's the thing that worries me more than them playing bad baseball, because as we know, in baseball, things flip all the time. Two weeks ago, the Yankees looked like absolute world beaters and the Cardinals looked like they were going to be on a golf course somewhere. So I, I mean, you can't really see when a team's going to start to get hot. So I wasn't really too worried about the fact that the Sox aren't hot right now as much as the fact that they've been playing pretty meaningless baseball games for the better course of two months and then having to potentially turn that or flip that switch. Um, So hopefully here, you know, this this did seem like a, a more meaningful game just because they did have that opportunity to clinch today. And they got up for it. So hopefully this can be a little bit of a a boost heading into the playoffs. Yeah, Trevor speaks to the malaise that has infiltrated the site, has killed all of our spirit as we just simply wait for October 3rd to come so the real stuff can begin on October 7th. So speaking of that, we're going to take a quick commercial break. The commercial is probably going to be flat, boring. You're probably not going to want to buy the thing that's being advertised because it's probably just a lame commercial. We don't have, I I can guarantee you, it's not a diabolic voiceover commercial. So you're not... I mean, sorry, SB Nation, you're not going to want to buy it. But we're going to be back in just about one minute to talk a little bit about uh, what's coming up ahead in October. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, guess what? If you're watching us, that was just a second. It wasn't a minute. I lied to you. But welcome back 
to uh, post game Southside Sox post game podcast three. I think this is number three. We did one for the Kyler Sodan no hitter way back 16 years ago. And I think we did another one because it's like, hey, let's keep doing this. And then I thought, uh, I'm just a man. I can't, I just can't possibly continue to do this. So guess what? Only special occasions. And this is a special occasion. The White Sox are in the playoffs. First division in two, uh, since 2008. And that was sort of like, uh, that's such a weird one. Does that even count? Maybe first really in 20 years. Definitely the first easy division and playoff uh, clinch since 2000. Uh, and so we're here to celebrate it. I'm here with Zach Hayes, somewhere on the road, somewhere. I think he's in Kentucky. He's, uh, I don't even want to know what he's doing. Trevor Lyons, and of course, Di Billick, who is squeezing us in between different voiceover opportunities for some community college opportunities that are coming to a Southside Sox podcast commercial near you. Let's look forward to October now. We've been talking a little bit about uh, at least on site with yesterday's rainout, we had a big discussion about how you want to try to line up the rotation, who your number one starter is, uh, offhand, who starts game one, who starts game two, and I guess more importantly, in what order for you? I'll start. Hey, remember when uh, in the never-ending story where uh, friggin' what's his name was like, Artax was stuck in the swamp? That's what it's felt like for me personally especially when we were in Texas, which is just, you know, the devil's asshole. It's a swamp. <laughs> it was, it really is. It, that was painful. I feel like I've been delivered from whatever murky place we were in. And I just like took some glasses off and now here we are. Uh, I'm going to come in with the unpopular opinion. I think if it's the popular opinion, then well, I screw me, I guess. Uh, man, wouldn't it be great to see Lucas Giolito? <laughs> bring his best stuff in the game one as a starter. And I only say that because he's not my favorite pitcher. Everyone knows that, but wouldn't it be just great if he came with his stuff? He die. He did it last year. He had a long rest. He had told everybody he didn't like pitching on a long rest. They gave him like six days. Cause it's like somehow it was too complicated to line up the rotation for the postseason last year. And he had what well, he had a perfect game, like five, six innings. Uh, yep. He killed it. So that tells you that whatever the rest, whatever the the, the pressure, um, uh, he, he is going to rise up. And if it's going to be a game one in Houston, I think he's the guy you got to hand the ball to. Uh, Zach, Trevor, what are you thinking? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, I would love, absolutely love it if Carlos Rodon comes out next Tuesday, chucking 98 again. I don't think that's going to happen. So he's unfortunately not as much in the picture as we would have thought of a month or two ago. I think yeah, you're right. It's, it's Giolito and Lynn and easy one, a one, two, but I think between the two of them, there's one guy who has pitched in the world series before and pitched in a lot of playoff games before. And that's Lance Lynn. And I think you got to give him the ball game one. I think that's the mm-hmm. guy, especially against a team like Houston. Um, I, I am actually more of a believer in Giolito than many. I think I have not been concerned about him really much at all through most of his up and downs, even with the, the sticky crackdown. Um, that being said, uh, I think Lynn gives you the best shot to stay in a game one for as long as possible. Uh, and that's what we really need to go for. But it's it's a 1A, 1B thing. You know, either one could absolutely lock them down on any given game. As far as like elimination games go, yeah, give me, give me any one of them. But for game one right now, I want, I want Lance Lynn. Okay, Trevor, I'm going to have to ask you to wait to the next exit to stop at the Kentucky Fried Chicken. I need your answer now. You're going to be the tie-breaking vote here, whether it's Lucas or Lance Lynn or Wildcard. 
So as hard as it is to believe, Brett, I do have a, another job besides just being the co-host of Dugout Metrics. So that is what I'm doing right now. I'm driving around Kentucky. I know you said you were wondering. Yeah. Um, but as the tie-breaking boat here, uh, I'm going to go with Die. I'm with uh, Lucas Giolito. I have the memory of him absolutely dominating the Astros at their place mm. in my head. And I also have the memory of Lance Lynn having one of his worst starts of the year in that ballpark in my head. And while I do think Lance Lynn is kind of your more consistent guy, I also think that with what Lucas Giolito showed game one against the athletics last year, he has the potential to really go out there and dominate a lineup. Um, You can't really go wrong either way, but as of right now, I think Lynn is more of your game too. And I think I really do trust Giolito to get up for a big game simply because of the fact that he pitched so well last year um, against the Athletics in that game and then also just his history against the Astros. Trevor, you can deny your dugout metrics, uh, legacy, and responsibilities and burden, but look at Trevor pulling out the matchups on us. Uh, uh, hey, that's what we do here. I don't want to say Southside Sox is putting more thought into this than maybe the Chicago White Sox brain trust, but – I'm just going to put it out there. Uh, let's talk about Houston because that is definitely the opponent. Uh, it seems almost not in doubt that it's going to, that the uh, division series is going to start in Houston. It's not a done deal, but it's not looking great. White Sox do have a more favorable schedule, but the White Sox have also been playing terribly pretty much throughout the second half. Maybe this is going to be the wake up call they need to run the table and take home field advantage. That would be very sweet. The White Sox played very poorly, probably their worst series of the season. It's got to be up there uh, in Houston this year. Uh, so it's not the greatest uh, circumstance. Uh, Tony La Russa has not seemingly been uh, pressing, uh, depressing the accelerator to uh, shoot for home field advantage, maybe because that's a, a fool's gold and a folly, uh, or maybe it's a miscalculation. Uh, what are your thoughts on the importance of playing in Houston versus Chicago? It's a short series. Of course, anything can happen, but we want <laughs> not to dug out metrics. We want the numbers working the best we can in our favor. Uh, is it a big deal to you guys or uh, with Lynn and Giolito starting one, two in this series? Uh, does it matter as much? I'm going to jump on this one real fast. <laughs> We're 49 and 27 at home. Eh. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, and, wait, what are we? 30, is this, is this correct? We're 37 and 39 away. Yeah, I but, don't think we're even 500, yep. Give me a break. So it's extremely important to home field advantage. And right now, the Astros are 599. We're 566. It's not out of contention. Also, they're playing the A's and the Rays. Yeah. It's, I know that's <laughs> not the question you asked. I, well, <laughs> I yeah, was they... like, this is the source of my stress. It, it's <laughs> I just, I really want home field advantage because of that. As we get closer, I was like, ah, you know, like before I was like, ah, it's not that big of a deal. But as we get closer, I'm like, oh God, the butthole's starting to clench. I'm on the edge of my seat. It's I'm getting a headache right now. <laughs> yeah. I think Houston's the team I'm least interested in playing at versus, I mean, Rays are a better team, but I would feel better in, in, in Tampa and the hovering sombrero playing there than, than in Houston, because it's just, just the recent history is like, they got crushed. Um, Trevor, Zach, or me, me and I uh, being uh, kooky about this, or, or is there some legit uh, frustration that the White Sox may be uh, one series and out? Yeah, 100% in agreement with with y'all there. I mean, there's a part of me that would say, like, 
you know, the, think of the 2019 World Series when the home team lost every single game at a certain point. Like, it is kind of a toss-up, but also the numbers there. I mean, they're, what, they're 25 games better at home than they are on the road this year. That is not <laughs> – that doesn't lie to a certain extent. And also it's – we do talk about how good Giolito was last year, but you know, in the playoffs and to an extent they've kind of been here before, but this is the first time they're going to be in a playoff game with fans Uh, and Houston. They've been there before. They know what, what to expect. You know, the fans are going to bring it. I'm not super. Yeah. And it's, it's frustrating because the time to have this conversation from the front office standpoint and from the managerial standpoint was like three weeks ago. And I think we've said it on podcast a few times that we were going to get here and we were going to be having this conversation and it was going to be kind of, eh, it's not good because you can very easily, it's just so easy to picture them just going in that O2 hole in Houston. It's so easy. We've seen it happen this season before. So uh, yeah, anything can happen. It's a five game series. You know, anyone could have the best game of their life or the worst game of their life, whatever, but it makes, it makes you nervous. And for very good reasons. Uh, okay. Before we get to you, Trevor, this would be, um, future, um, PA announcer, uh, inheriting from, uh, Gene Honda and assistant GM Dibilic, uh, assistant GM, Zach Hayes, uh, bench coach, I'm thinking Trevor Lines, because uh, we're all thinking more about this than the White Sox actually are. Okay, uh, bench coach Trevor, uh, what's your feeling about the home? You've been there. You've been in the dugout not long ago, uh, facing a team on the road that you need to you need to beat under the pressure uh, versus being at home. Uh, big difference? No difference? You don't care? Yeah, I think that what they were saying is is spot on. A, it is a five game series. Once you get to the postseason, I've been kind of saying it all year, really anything can happen. It's just making sure you have that lottery ticket to get there. Making sure you have that ticket punched is the biggest thing, and the Sox really had that. But as far as matchups go, Houston's not a great matchup. And as far as home versus road, one thing to, to point out is this isn't a cookie-cutter ballpark that they're going to play in. Um, it's one of the funkiest ballparks. you got that short porch in left field. Um, and then all those crazy angles out in left center. Um, imagine Aloy trying to navigate that. He's looked better this year, but it's not ideal. And then <laughs> you have a uh, offense that has had one of the highest ground ball rates in the entire American League this entire season, um, playing in kind of a bandbox of a park, especially that short porch out and left. And so um, I don't think it's a great park for the Sox specifically. Um, so hopefully they can – start elevating the ball here a little bit more over the next couple of weeks because uh, they could get homered to death down there in Houston. Okay. Bench coach. Uh, you just, with your comments about Eloy, uh, I just got a promotion because you just killed Zach mentioning Eloy in left field, trying to play in front of the choo-choo train. So uh, I think now I am uh, going to have to be assistant GM and that's very dangerous. Uh, hey, let's not forget guys. Maybe none of you want to say it, the trash cans. Let's not forget these guys are dirty, stinking cheaters. They're going to find a way to jimmy something. We don't want to play more games in Houston than in Chicago. These are the dirtiest cheaters we want to be. Sorry, Houston. I know you want to just forget about all that. We haven't forgot. Most of that roster is still, they're still, they're probably still, you see them walk out of the uh, batter's box and still just listen for a distant echo of a trash can, metal or plastic. Man, who, I need to beat these guys and we needed uh, home field advantage and hopefully it is still within reach because as pointed out i think by zach you know it, it's it is an easier schedule or i think Dai said you know the a's a's aren't doing a lot of help for anybody right now uh, at least if, uh, at least of all themselves but again it's not playing the rangers so uh 
there is a, a, a distant shot. Is it encouraging at all? I guess we're probably wrapping this up soon, but is it encouraging at all to see the offensive outburst in just seven innings today? Uh, the home run uh, strokes were there. Uh, Tim with two. Uh, Luis, do you have two? Uh, Eloy with one. Luis with one. Um, a power stroke uh, against not not a bad pitcher. Uh, uh, reeling. Um, they it wasn't. They weren't going to fall out of bed hitting necessarily. They haven't for like six months. So why today? Uh, is this an encouraging sign? Because obviously when this offense is uh, working on all cylinders, it's, it can be as good as they, as, as, as they come. Uh, is this uh, heating up on September 23rd exactly what we need to have happen? Well, are we not going to lose the game zero to 10 later, like in two hours here? Cause that's kind of what's been happening. So is it encouraging? Kind of. <laughs> kind of not. But, like, what's LaRusse's plan? Uh, also, counter question. <laughs> How much credit does LaRusse get for this division win? Uh, that's something I want to know. Okay, Di Billick has taken over the podcast, so I'm going to answer first. <laughs> oh, no, I love it. It's about time. I'm going to answer first, and I think the answer is, okay, he didn't crash the car. It's not broken. I think we are in a head-to-head fight with Houston for home field if Tony La Russa is not the manager. And I'll even say if Ricky Renneria was the manager, I'd say we're in a head-to-head fight with Houston. Um, you know, I'm sorry, Tony. Again, thank you for not crashing the car. And I hope you've got that second, third gear because you're a Hall of Fame baseball person for the postseason because I guess that's part of the reason why you're here. Everybody makes a big deal about the fact that, uh, okay, visuals – uh, Ricky was uh, constipated all uh, game three last year. And I guess that's why he got fired. Okay. Doesn't seem to be exactly the way you r- should run a-, a ball club, but okay. Um, so hopefully Tony won't be doing that. He might be slumbering. I, I mean, I don't know. I hope he isn't. Um, okay. Uh, Tre- Trevor, Zach, thoughts on uh, Tony's amount of credit for uh, de- uh, delivering this division win. Man, I, I might've said this on this podcast. I've definitely said it to a lot of people a lot of different times, but for all of the talk about the postseason, do people not forget what happened the last time he was managing in the world series when he literally brought in a pitcher? He didn't even have warming up in the eighth inning of like game five of the world series. But this, like my, my overall take is that managers in baseball, as opposed to a coach in football or basketball, where you have an entire game plan and strategy that is different coach to coach and very much affects the way the game on the field or the court is played. That's not the best case in baseball. I think like a good manager is not going to win you that many games necessarily. A bad manager, however, can lose you a lot of games. And I can think of a lot of games this year that, you know, it's, you can never pinpoint a loss directly on one individual most but the number of questionable decisions that have come in winnable games where you say like if that had gone if if Jose Ruiz had not been brought in here if Jace Fry had not not been brought in here if we didn't bunt here you know if we didn't do this or didn't do that I found myself asking that a lot more this year than I have in years past when they actually weren't winning in in a lot of other winnable games like it's a like you said man thanks for thanks for not crashing the car but I any, I think anyone that wants him to give him credit for winning 88 games with this roster is kind of grasping at straws. Yeah. Zach, uh, uh, as you saw with my actual physical demonstration, I had a ranting answer, and I had totally forgotten that Tony Russa Terry Bevington in the World Series. Uh, Trevor, please defend him if you can. Otherwise, just join the wave and uh, let's avalanche this right down to the bottom of the hill. Yeah, I think anyone, pretty much anyone with basic baseball knowledge could have 
manage this team to a division championship. I don't think it, it was anything that Tony necessarily did. Going into the season, there was two main concerns. And I think the bigger of the concerns was how he was going to handle the relationships, how he was going to gel with the mm-hmm. locker room coming after a manager in Ricky Renteria yeah. that had his players' backs to no end and the players loved playing for him. And I think Tony has really exceeded expectations in that regard. It seems like the players do embrace him and do um, love him more than kind of we would have anticipated. He's really done well with the social aspect of being a manager, but some of the on-field decisions uh, seem like they might have passed him by. He's definitely made some head scratchers and uh, potentially cost them quite a few games this year. So hopefully he uh, has some of this, uh, some of this, Hall of Fame baseball person magic in the playoffs, but um, hopefully he just kind of plays it by the book. That's what I'm hoping for. Terry Bevington has new life. He has new hope. Hey, you know, for the record, I publicly, I liked all my bosses too. If I was in a clubhouse, I would have liked them a lot. I might have even brought them donuts sometimes, but it would be very interesting to know the inside story. And unfortunately, in in the Zoom era, we might not get that inside story of how exactly that came to pass because Trevor brings up a good point. I think the biggest horror show the biggest collision that we are going to see was this crazy transition from grandpa ricky making the ceviche to tony who might not be awake or he's he's angry or he's drinking you know, all this crazy stuff coming into the season completely reasonable because he was he's not only been away from the white Sox forever he's been out of the game for 10 years i know he says he's not out of the game he's not, not managing for 10 years uh and now suddenly he's going to come in and replace grandpa now great grandpa comes in and, and like you know there's they're not gonna miss a beat um and it seems like they have, I, I don't get it again. Maybe it's just because that's what you have to do, but uh, you'd think there still would be a few more cracks. Like when Lucas uh, threw everybody under the bus, cause he was like tired and everybody should have known he was tired, even though he could have just like told his buddy, Ethan, like, Hey, I need to come out. Um, uh, you'd think there'd be more of those, but pretty much it's been Dallas Keuchel howling at the moon and, and that's it. So, I mean, you know, that is Trevor points it out and, and, you know, way to try to find something positive about all this. Uh, Trevor, that yes, in terms of managing the clubhouse, I guess uh, I guess he's done all right. Um, uh, other thoughts, folks? Maybe he's a drunk little leprechaun who comes to life during the playoffs and during the postseason. If fucking a, a pot of gold shows up and then a rainbow comes up and then he does his magic and that's what he's known for. And the whole team is like, all right, let's just deal with this until it's time. All we have to do is get to the playoffs. Then the leprechaun will come alive. And we will let him do his thing. It'll be yeah. it'll it'll be revealed if the first line of his first postseason uh, 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 conference uh, Zoom is uh, uh, they're always trying to steal my lucky charms. Then we'll know it will be revealed. But uh, uh, interesting theory. Yeah, and you know, having looking back now on that 20, 2011 World Series, the last time I was here, and all the things that had to go right for the Cardinals when when they won that one, I'm a little concerned that the horseshoe might have fallen out of his ass by now. At this point, mm. <laughs> they had a lot going right there. And you know, my I guess my last thought on Tony is that the biggest the biggest um, thing I hear repeated in his favor is the fact that they did get this far in spite of the injuries, uh, mostly to Luis and. And Aloy, uh, and I rather than I wanted to give a rational counterpoint to that rather than, uh, you know, a, a little rant. And it's it's really just are you going to give Tony credit for Carlos Rodon figuring out how to throw yeah. 98 again? Are you going to give him credit for picking Brian Goodwin off the scrap heap? Are you going to, mm-hmm. you know, give him credit for getting the month and a half out of your mean that we got before? Are any of those things like Tony's Tony's fault or Tony's responsibility? Like he's 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 the driver, you know, and. <laughs> 
I, I just don't see that much that he really added to the conversation. Zach, I, Zach, you might not saying. you might not be aware, Zach, that they have actually rechiseled the plaque in Cooperstown, giving Tony credit for two of Sebi's three home runs in that in that game. It, it's actually it has been changed. I I didn't see it myself, but someone told me that happened. Um, uh, yeah, okay. Sorry, I know sometimes the uh, readership is not real happy about some of the Tony criticisms because, like, I'll just get past it, and they're winning, and and oh, you know, I don't know, he's not Dusty Baker or whatever there's nothing wrong with saying we could be better. It's great. You know, again, there is something we said that he did not crash this like uh, self-driving car. Uh, again, Trevor, don't listen too closely. Uh, you know, like that he was handed, he was handed these keys of a team that is apparently the windows thrown open, right? Everybody celebrate. And this is the first time we actually could really crawl through the window. I guess this is the first back-to-back postseason in White Sox history. And even then, it's sort of an asterisk because half the teams made it last year. So talk to me in 2022 or 2023, if there's not a 2022, in which case maybe 2024 will be the first true back-to-back postseason. But let's not be negative. Uh, This is a a celebration. The White Sox with plenty of time. I mean, not many days after the 1983 White Sox, who won the division by, and this is true, 650 games. They only clinched on September 17th. So this is pretty good. I mean, it helps to have no other teams in the division above 500. Bodes well for that window of contention. Uh, But, hey, it's a celebration. Uh, Who cares what happens in the second game? I think the second game is Gavin Sheets catching. Uh, Luis Robert, I think is going to pitch. Um, I think they are going to break the rules and just bring up all of the Winston Salem dash because they didn't win a game for the whole two thirds of the the rest of the regular season. And so maybe we're going to see, I don't know, Luis Curbelo playing third base in, 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 uh, in the nightcap. I don't know, but I'm, if they don't win and if die predicts the 10 to nothing law, I won't get too upset about that because they're going to be pretty beer. So they probably don't even have a change of uniforms. It's COVID time. So, uh, we're going to cut, we're going to cut them some slack and just hope they win, uh, seven of the next eight games of this series because they never get to leave Cleveland. That's that's the price to pay for going back-to-back for the first time in the postseason. You can never leave Cleveland. Uh, hey, listen, we did it. Uh, thank you for joining me, uh, the three of you. Any last thoughts? As you said, what are you going to go do now? Uh, are you going to call your dad again, Di? Uh, are there any, uh, are there any uh, friends, brothers, sisters, loved ones that you need to reach out to to celebrate this with because you jumped right on with me? Uh, I only have one family member and, uh, it's highly recommended if you don't want to be stressed out, just to not talk to the rest of your family until you die. Uh, I'm excited. I'm really, really excited. I'm so happy about it. The only time that I will feel negative is popping onto here and talking about realism (laughs) in my head. I'm an idealist. I'm going to ride this thing. I'm so excited and so happy. Ah, I, yay. And also congrats to everyone. Uh, We are not players, but man, have we suffered through some stuff. We've suffered through some stuff. All of us have been here longer than Leori Garcia. So yes, we have earned this. Zach, have you uh, talked to your pops yet? Oh yeah. He, uh, he, he just left actually. He's as, as, as a jaded person, you know, he's a little less excited than, um, on the surface than maybe, maybe some of us, but he's, he's bubbling underneath. I know. And once we, once, once the actual postseason rolls around, he'll be, he'll be as excited as, 
as any of us. The negativity that I express, uh, you know, online on the pages of Southside Sox, Sox and my own <laughs> my own Twitter account completely runs in the family. So you know, um, there is there is muted joy, muted joy in the household right now, and I'm going to take take the rest of the day to enjoy that. Uh, Trevor, you have just probably dialed up from just one bottle of bourbon to maybe an entire case just listening to the palpable uh, excitement here. Uh, among your fellow Southside Sox fans, uh, any special call uh, you're going to make or uh, viewing parties come postseason because you are outside the Chicago Chicagoland area? Um, no, not yet. I was actually back in the Chicagoland area for about the last 10 days before Wednesday, and I was able to go to the uh, opener of the Angels series with my sister. So that was a blast. Um, good to be back for a bit. But one kind of more serious observation, I guess, and I don't know whether this is a really a good thing, or a bad thing or a neutral thing, just something that I kind of noticed is it seems like every big game that the Sox have had over the past couple of years, um, I'm going to liken this to a horse race because I'm down here in Kentucky, but they almost seem to offensively be front runners where they're getting out to a big lead. They're jumping on the pitcher right away. I'm thinking opening day last year against the twins where they put up big numbers after Giolito went out and uh, gave up some runs. And then, um, obviously today and then the the postseason series against the A's and then it almost seems like they settle a little bit and uh, I would almost like to see them pour it on a little bit more Um, you look up in the second inning and they have seven and then you look up after the seventh inning and they're still kind of stuck on seven so I wish they would have poured it on a little bit more it might be just something to keep in mind or something to keep observing to see whether that's actually a trend Saving it for the nightcap, Trevor. They are going after Houston. They heard all our negativity. They said, oh, we're going to show you. You've, you've already got a little bit of spoils. You think it's Christmas in September? Oh, it's going to be Christmas in October. Let's hope so. Uh, we have a second podcast. Yes, double your pleasure, double your fun. Second podcast after the nightcap, after surely the victorious nightcap uh, piloted by uh, new manager, Di Billick, and uh, also uh, star new closer, Gavin Sheets, and um, catcher, Brian Goodwin. Uh, those will all be the predicted stars for tonight. We are going to probably be having a much larger gathering uh, to celebrate, again, this postseason clinch and uh, the season to date. So we will talk to you probably as soon as you're done listening to this one and watching us. There's going to be another one queued up for you to enjoy with other members of our Southside Sox family. Thanks as always, everybody, for reading, listening, sometimes even watching. We will be back with tons of coverage between now and the end of the regular season, particularly in the postseason, whether it lasts just three games or much, much more. We will be giving you much more layered coverage than we even have. And we've been giving you a lot of layered coverage this regular season uh, in the postseason. So stay tuned with us at Southside Sox. Thanks always for your attention and your readership. And uh, we'll be back at you with more podcasts again, really probably before we even want another one.